Hello and welcome to episode 301 of the IGN UK podcast. Um, it's a special occasion because we've won an award. We did. Two awards. The award-winning IGN UK podcast. We won double awards. We but took I, home I, two I, awards last night. We literally took home two awards last night. Alex isn't in the office and yeah. he told us to make this an award-winning podcast. But yeah. it's the morning after the award ceremony. Yeah. So... What was he doing to us? Well, I wasn't drinking, so I'm... I know, Mr. Water. I know, mm. I was very responsible for once. So what did we win? We won Best we won Best in-house. Games Critic. We didn't win that. We should stop misleading people because they will get confused. We won Best In-House Podcast. Yes, we did. And um, then uh, th- voted for by the industry, so thank you. Yes, thank yes, you very thank much. You, Maybe yes. we aren't as haters as we thought we were. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what is this other award, Gav? Mate, you tell me. I don't know. You do know. It's your mate, though, isn't it? Uh, this is games critic Nathan Dyam, who, I, I mean, I can't really recall why we've got that. Okay. Why, how that ended up in our possession. But we'd just like to say sorry to uh, Nathan and we will be giving it back. So these things happen. Anyway, yeah. people might have tuned in to listen to us talk about Bond and we haven't talked about Bond yet because right. this video is about Bond. Yes, it is and indeed. This podcast is about Bond. Is it? We've got the new Bond movie coming out on October 26th, I, I think. So. Good stuff. Spectre. 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 So we thought we'd talk Bond in advance. Mm. Uh, boys, we're going to ask, we're going to talk about a few different Bond things. Okay. Uh, first up, favourite James Bond, Gavin. Timothy Dalton. What? I was not expecting that. I was going to say, that is a, a curveball. Uh, reasons. He's Welsh. Uh, that can't be the reason for everything. Oh, gee whiz. Also, the thing that I really like about the modern Bond that we've got now, hmm. um, I was going to say Craig Charles, he's not Bond. <laughs> Is everyone's gone on to saying like, oh, you know, he's really good. He's a really dark Bond. But actually, Timothy Dalton's Bond is so close to the books. He's closer to the books than any other Bond. And that's why I really, really like him. Mm. Um, like he took the books really seriously. Um, when he took over, he said like, oh, Bond is a little bit. I think he's like something like trip pop or something like that. Like he's a really, he's like, it's too, uh, like it's not good enough. It's not like cool enough. Um, and it's gone like the way of like it's almost like a cartoon he's like it, Bond's not believable anymore so when he took over he was like I want Bond to be believable and he did I mean he made two of the worst James Bonds ever I think <laughs> but still he was trying <laughs> God loves to try yeah. uh, Luke uh, I think Sean Connery for me yeah because that was so I grew up watching like it went because you know when in the 90s and everything they used to put Bond on pretty much every weekend on sure. like ITV and stuff yeah. so that was kind of the one that it was my mum's favourite Bond and my dad's favourite Bond and so that would be the one that I kind of grew accustomed to Bond to us is like what uh, Jurassic Park is now on ITV yeah exactly like I mean because the thing is I also like, the and it one... was Star Wars and Harry Potter for a period as well yeah oh, really they go in waves doesn't they ITV I had, they put uh, the prequels on all the time they do like, no one's watching that I think it's probably because they're quite cheap mm. <laughs> but um, I so the, and when I was growing up the it was Brosnan he was the Bond then mm. but um, but yeah no Bond I, home. Yeah, but I quite liked him. Yeah, no, I think Connery for me. For me, he was just very suave and sophisticated. I hate Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. I don't, never did anything. Well, for we'll, me. Co- we'll come on to things later because I quite I don't mind him. See, I was going to say Connery as well. Mm. Well, go on. You can but go. It's You've a toss-up between Connery and, and Craig. Really, I think they're both. I do like yeah. Craig. Very good. Both very manly. It's just uh, <laughs> you said that really slow. Both very Connery. Manly. Connery. Connery's got that charm mm. though that Craig doesn't have. Yeah. Uh, Craig's 
good looking, although sometimes he looks a bit like a builder, I think. Not like builders a aren't good looking. He looks like a dog. He looks like a dog. Does he looks like, like a pit bull. When I was thinking about this, though, I, I decided to come up with a word for each bond. Oh, very good. So do you want to say the bond name in each of them in order, and I'll say you the word? I don't know the order. You do. Connery. Man. <laughs> They're all going to be man. Um, what's the next one? Dalton. Moore. The <clears throat> other one. What's Lazenby. Who? <laughs> nice. More. Uh, eyebrow. Dalton. Humorless. Uh, Bronholm. Brosnan. Bronholm. S- smug. Bronholm. Mm. Bronholm. That's what they used to say on the Adam and Joe oh, podcast. Very good. And then uh, Craig. Complicated. Ooh. <laughs> That's what I spent my afternoon doing. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Our favourite Bond movie. Goldeneye for me, I think. Ooh, good choice. Best yeah. team, definitely. Yeah, I think it's got a great. I think it's a great cast across the board. Um, I think good performances from a lot of people. Um, I like the. I like, <laughs> That's such a nothing thing. Good, good cast, great, great performances. I, know, I, like, I think they've got a good collectors of acting. You know, Robbie Coltrane's in there for a little bit. You've got. Uh, You're just naming names now. Famke Janssen. <laughs> um, Still. What am I meant to do? Um, uh, and then insight. Insight. <laughs> some insight. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> No, I also like the fact that I think it's also tied to the fact that um, I spent a lot of time playing Goldeneye. Sure. The game. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. As a kid. So um, I think that's probably tied up. It was it was like the Bond film that I kind of knew inside out. Um, yeah. It was the rebirth of Bond as well, yeah. wasn't it? When it it, it, it it become kind of a joke, thanks to the Dalton movies, even though hey. they weren't particularly yeah. jokey. They were the yeah. op- opposite of jokey. But it's a bit boring. Uh, it had that great opening, didn't it? When they jump off the side of yeah. the... And that bit at the end yeah. for England, Jen, and, and she, for me. And she she breaks with her men's thigh. necks with, with her thighs. thighs. A lot of people do that, don't they? On a, a lot, top. A lot of women do that. Zenia. No, but she's, she's she was magical. One. She was the first one. Uh, good <laughs> choice, Gav. Gray. Do you know what? I Generally, the one that I had the most uh, fun watching is Skyfall. Good like, choice. I think it's a really, really good film. I think Dan called it the best Bond film ever when he reviewed it, it for really? IGN. Yeah, yeah. Me and Cooper definitely mean to get, meant to be It was together, a big shout, though, yeah. because, you know, he had to write that review the morning after, mm. and it was like, do I call it the best Bond film ever? I was like, if you it think is. it is. Yeah, you've got to I think, I think it is, yeah. Do what you feel. Yeah. Um, What's yours? Uh, I decided to go old school. I've gone from Russia with Love. Right. Good. Which was the second one, 1963. When it was all coming together, you know, you got the theme tune, I think, for the first time. That's not good. Let's turn that off. It's because I was checking the time. Um, (laughs) Set the alarms go up every five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You've got... And that's the end of the podcast. Um, Uh, Russian villains. Russian villains always good. That old school Cold War. Also, there's something about the 60s Bond, you know? It'd be interesting if they did a a movie now set in the 60s, I think. That stylish era. Mm. I guess Man From U.N.C.L.E. tried it a little bit. Well, I've got, that's X-Men kind of like, tried it as well. Like X-Men tried to do like 60s. I thought X-Men's the X-Men's version First of the class, 60s. Yeah, that's yeah, terrible. partly why for oh. me I really liked uh, <laughs> Casino Royale because uh, I hate Casino so Royale. I liked it, but especially that the casino scene in it. You know, it, it did it, the throwback in the suits and all of that was it's very just men playing poker for 45 minutes. Yeah, but it was very suave and very. Nah, anyway, we're still on me. Sorry, okay. yeah. uh, <laughs> it has Morning. a great fight on a train. Yeah. One of the great fights yeah. in Bond history, and also Skyfall has one of those as well. Uh, it's still on me, and um, <laughs> it ends as well. It's got this really bizarre ending with Rosa Klebb. Do you remember Rosa Klebb? Vaguely. She she's this little old uh, evil woman, and she wants to kill James. She dresses as a maid, and. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, I do. A spike comes out of her toe. She's yeah. got a poisonous spike in the end of her toe, and she's Amazing. trying to kick him. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. Obviously, that probably worked on the page, on screen. It's not as frightening. A little old lady with I'd a little that, yeah. poison toe. So yeah, I like that once. That uh, favorite Bond villain, Gav. I think I, I think it's Harry Bardem. Like he's so weird and he's so. Oh, I do like Javier Bardem. Like it, it, the thing with his face is so strange and he's it like is, really sin- and like it comes out of nowhere as well and he almost like I wrote down some things. Silver, that's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Like he does this really weird thing where he's sitting in the. It almost seems like he knows Bond, but he really enjoys being evil. But at the mm. same time, there's something to him where he's got like because he's been screwed over. Um, by them it almost feels like he's got more of a reason to yeah. be bad um, which I think you don't really get with Bond villains like that's the thing I don't like about James Bond when they're like the cartoon villains are like I just want to be evil for the sake of being evil yeah. whereas he he'd had his heart broken by them so yeah. I, I think, don't think his plan actually makes any sense when you think about it none, none of their plans uh, really make what about the sexual tension that's good isn't it did you like that or not Luke I didn't know because originally I didn't know if it was pandering a little bit I just thought it was a bit because he looked a bit like a panda. He looked a bit like a panda, and I liked I, I liked the scene actually with him and um, Bond. I didn't care so much for the scene when he was captured um, with him and Judy Dench, and he kept calling her Mommy. I loved that. I found that a bit weird. I thought it was really good. That's mm. my that's my scene. Luke, that's one of my scenes. Oh. Um, in terms of well, in terms of iconic, I think for me it's Jaws. I just think he's the kind of the villain. You know, a lot of people go for Blofeld. You said in terms of iconic. I'm asking for you for your favourite Bond villain. I don't know yeah. what that means. <laughs> you said in terms of iconic. What well, does that mean? For me, mean? it always goes back. The thing is, I didn't. Want, I wanted. I was trying to avoid. He's the villain that I think is possible. So Jaws, then just say Jaws. Jaws. I said Jaws. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, to drink at lunchtime. Christ, <laughs> that's super annoying though because I've got Jaws as well. There you go. So you've stolen all my answers. The trouble with Jaws though is then he did become ridiculous. They t- in Moonraker he became yeah. a, a figure of fun, whereas the first time you saw him, it's just the look. It, it's quite. I mean, it's iconic. <laughs> There you go, right? Uh, Favourite Bond moment? I've got one because it makes me laugh. Yep. And it's from Skyfall. (laughs) And there's a bit where Judy Dench is standing and she's looking at MI5 that's been blown up and she goes, we're going to get the people who did this. It's literally your fucking job, like. It's literally your job to do that. (laughs) Like, it it just makes me laugh every time I see it. Yep. All right, I'm going to laugh now when I see that scene. Luke? Uh, <laughs> and don't don't say what I've got written down, please, because you're ruining my day. Okay, okay. Well, then, if we're keeping the theme of uh, my favourite one is the um, snow chase scene with Roger Moore. I can't yep. remember which one. Is that Russia with Love? Or on Her Majesty's no. Secret Service? Yeah, on Her Majesty's uh, neither Secret of them Service. have got Roger Moore in. Oh, <laughs> well, you said it was that. It was one of them. You know the scene I'm on about, though. When yeah. the anti parachutes off. Spy Who Loved Me. There you go. That one. <laughs> um, but I also like the scene where Christopher Walken blows up in Asia. Can you read out what I've got written down there? Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> what are the chances? This is like Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> it is. We should do this. Um, Spy Who Loved Me. So I, I was involved a few years ago. We did a bunch of features actually on IGN. So I'm kind yeah. of biased. We did do the top You just read them. Moment, <laughs> did you? No, no it's bad. I had to metadata all 100 video clips for that. Yeah. Uh, but that so, was our number one, yeah. which I picked. And I think you might have copied it. Uh, one I didn't put down here, uh, which we should probably do before we move on. Mm. Yeah. Favourite Bond song? Oh. Tina Turner, Goldeneye. Yeah. Definitely. Goldeneye is very good. Really good song. Um... 
None of the modern ones. Awful. All awful. I, I think Adele. I think Skyfall nah. is all yeah, right. Yeah, Adele was good. I think that's the best modern one. <laughs> Anyone from Madonna? Well, <laughs> the thing I don't like is, like, why Why do you have to put the word Skyfall in it so much? Like, nothing rhymes with Skyfall. Just trifle. Apple crumble. Like, what's she doing? Just make a nice song. I like um, some of the, the Shirley Bassey, the Burley Chassis ones. She's got some good ones. Good. Yours? I think... I don't know. I, I, there's, there's about five that I love, but okay. I, I view think to a kill is very good. I love view to a view kill, to a kill and actually, good. although it's a terrible film, it was my first proper one. Mm. I was grown up enough. Yeah, I was like seven, I think, when it came out or eight, and it. I, I love that film. It's not enough. I think. Bloody awful movie, yeah. but great thing. Um, I, I think the probably the most fitting one where, where it all fits together is nobody does it better oh, yeah so good because yeah. it just you know it's very nice just for the partridge scene <laughs> <laughs> like the alan partridge scene of that is just so and the, so the radiohead good. cover's actually really good at that one oh, yeah, the radiohead cover yeah yeah they nail it good so. bond done bond, bond done bond boshed. let's move on to totally epic which is uh totally epic totally epic gone septic and that's uh suggested by anthony k this week do epic and septic rhyme it's an ick in a Ick noise. Mm, okay, thanks, Anthony. We'll take yeah, it. thank you very much. Uh, we haven't got anything else, so it's good. We're not fussy man. Uh, this week, Crimson Peak is out. I really, really liked it. You weren't so fond. No, I, I think I had too higher. I, I was just. I felt like they'd made the movie for me. Okay. It looked like my perfect movie mm. ever. And so my expectations were so darn high that when I watched it, it couldn't live up to it. So maybe it's right. my fault that I didn't like it mm. rather what, than theirs. What were you going in thinking it was going to be and that it wasn't? Well, I, I thought it was going to be as good as uh, Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth, which are the early Del Toro Spanish horror films, Spanish yeah. language horror films. They're both in my top 10 horror movies. Really? And I love them dearly. And it felt like this is the first time he was doing an English language film like that. Right. Okay. And it, it's you know, not that. Yeah, you're right, actually. Tonally, yeah. I, I, I was thinking it was going to be similar. And some of the trailers had me a bit worried. The the CGI in the trailers. And then yeah. there's, a, there's a fair bit of CGI in the movie. And it takes me out of... It. and it's just for someone who's so practical yeah. you know and the house is beautiful but that's that's the thing like there's quite a lot of practical stuff going on but there's also CGI stuff um, like we had him in we'll get to that in a bit but like mm. we were talking to him about like the, me and Kruber came out of it and we both we both really really liked it but the yep. one thing that I just didn't like at all was you got these ghosts you've got these practical people that you've built but then you have these bits coming off them mm. and it's like well that's quite obviously not real and yeah. unnecessary like, like yeah. it didn't add anything to it it doesn't at all and it just take, completely takes you out of it yeah. I don't think Charlie Hunnam's a movie star I really genuinely don't Del Toro thinks so doesn't he, he he's a big fan he's a big fan so there's a disconnect <laughs> there whenever he's on screen for me then he and, doesn't have much to do in, it, in this though and it builds up it's, 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 it's probably more romance than horror mm. and That's it, what it builds is. and like an builds and builds and I didn't quite it didn't quite nail me in the heart in mm. the way I wanted it to and I thought it would but I'm really pleased that everyone else is like. Well, it. that's the thing. I went in. With, I think I went in with lower expectations, and I didn't go in. I hadn't Did you seen see it, it together. Uh, no, no, no. no, no. But, but then I also I hadn't seen any of the trailers. So yeah, the trailers. Now that I've watched them, are doing a really bad job of like selling it. I think because they're selling it as this yeah. like basically uh, the woman in black type thing, where it's yeah. going to be like you know this really harsh, like really horrible ghost story. When it's not, it's like a gothic romance. Yeah, and it's brilliant. And actually. That's exactly what me and Daniel spoke to Guillermo del Toro about, and we're going to play some of that for you right now. So, um, the word gothic 
um, has come to mean lots of different things. Yeah. It's, you know, now it's used from culture to fashion to yeah. music. But the Gothic romance, to me, signifies something very specific within literature. Correct. Um, you know, it's it's the Old English Baron, it's Otranto, it's Anne Radcliffe in particular. In particular, but How yeah. do you go from that very specific literary form and meld that with the conventions of a big Hollywood film? Well, look, uh, the birth of the birth of Gothic at inception in the 1780s, you know, the, the, it's a, a sort of a counter-movement a romantic counter-movement against academia, the age of reason, everything being sort of stodgy and uh, intellectual rather than emotional. And then out of that comes this crazy little offshoot, which is gothic romance. You know, and, and to me the fascination of that is that it's always been very close to the dynamics of a fairy tale. You know, with, with a princess traveling to a castle, falling in love with a dark prince, discovering a dark secret, blah, blah, blah. And the seeds of that, I think, uh, then transform over time into narratives that have very close parentage. Like when you think about Jane Eyre, you think of Rebecca, very similar structures. When you think of uh, Dragonwick and Rebecca, very similar structures. The Secret Garden, even, similar structures. And there are certain rules that you derive from that, from reading Anne Radcliffe, from reading um, uh, even Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher, things like that. There are certain things that you derive that you can apply to make it feel like um, an, an old, traditional, uh, dark, gothic romance. In the way that I tried to do Pan's Labyrinth as a traditional uh, fairy tale, that you feel this must be a traditional fairy tale, but it isn't. And then what you do is you play with those conventions. Once you have those limits, you say, I'm going to do a proper, lavish Hollywood movie because uh, Gothic romance, at the end in the 60s and 70s, it became B-movie territory. It became people with one candle and almost no sets, mm. <laughs> just a lot of cobwebs pretending to do things in castles, you know? But, but on, on, on the beginning, when you think about, you know, Robert Stevenson's Jane Eyre, or when you think of Dragon Week with uh, Vincent Price or uh, Rebecca itself, they were lavish productions, and I wanted to do that and subvert some of the gender role dynamics, subvert a little bit of the level of violence and sexuality and stuff like that. You're, a, you know, you're an artist who is very aware of tradition and yeah. partaking within a tradition. Yeah. How much you, of you, when you're writing and creating, are you actively playing with that stuff? And how much are you doing on the level of intuition? Because you are steeped in it. <laughs> the problem is that uh, in the ter in terms of gothic romance, this everything I like and everything I do, most of it is rooted in 40, 40 plus years as a fan. I mean, I, the first movie I saw at age four was Wuthering Heights with Laurence Olivier, the first movie in my life. Uh, I discovered Jane Eyre the same year I discovered Frankenstein uh, at age eight, nine, ten, I don't know, very young. And, and they made the same impression. They were seminal for me. Anne Radcliffe, uh, Matthew G. Lewis, uh, you know, Vathek, William Beckford and his Fontail Abbey, all this is like second nature to me. And then what you do is I, I keep reading the new Gothics and see its evolution. I think the repercussions of Gothic have lasted more than 200 years. So it's a genre that is very beautiful to embrace. 
But I, I, I try to make notes in my notebook. I try to read everything I can in the study of Gothic, you know, be it Christopher Frayling or be it uh, um, an older treatise or like one of the dictums of Gothic romance that I heard that puts it beautifully is Henry James that says Gothic romance, uh, it's about uh, the past, which is represented by the ghosts and our impossibility to move into the future. And I thought that's, that's going to become central to Crimson Peak. So stuff like that. I, 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 I try to stay on top of it, but I've read most everything that I feel is important for it. Um. You know, we talked about this being a gothic romance, and mm -hmm. that happens in a particular historical period with the age of reason, yes. the end of the 18th century. But you set this at the end of another great period of rationalism, yeah. which is the end of the Victorian period. But yeah. it obviously erupted another great period in gothic literature, and particularly in this country. Yes. Um, Stevenson, Stoker. Yes. Yeah. Um, so why did you choose to have it set at the end of the 19th century rather than at the end of the 18th century? Well, the, the movie takes place exactly at the point 1901, which is exactly at the point where America, particularly Buffalo, New York, where we <coughs> set the beginning of the story, is an incredibly modern place. And Buffalo, New York, of all places, is the most electrified city in the world. Nikola Tesla electrified the whole city. You have a city that has motor cars, steam engines, telegraphs, um, typewriters, you know, is really, really on the edge of modernity. And you have a girl that is really modern, you know, but at the same time she sees ghosts. And on the other hand, you have a guy that comes from a very old world, but he sees the future. He sees machines, and he wants to build machines. So these two, these two lost, out-of-place souls meet each other and fall in love, you know. And it was important to turn, set it at that time because I wanted to hear somebody like Dr. McMichael give a rational explanation about yeah. ghosts. I wanted to to sort of contrast those two. Because he's kind of like, because there's lots of elements of Victorian ghost stories yeah. and McMichael in particular is that kind of agent who functions as doctor mm -hmm. but also as the detective, yes. which is a character that has its own literary life at the end of the 19th yes. century. Yes. And it runs parallel to the ghost story. Yes. And, so, and there's a great uh, pulp Subgenre, which yeah. is the supernatural detective. Well, you might, well Martin yeah. Hesalius. And, and, and Karnacki and yeah. so forth, you know? But, because um, you actually, in, in the movie, you mentioned he's inspired by Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes. Obviously, author of the most famous detective of all time, yeah, all time. but also wrote, you know, reams of supernatural stories as well. And he was a spiritualist and he believed in all those things. I mean, that's the, the greatest um, dichotomy with Doyle is that he believed in fairies, he hmm. believed in ghosts. His father had been committed to an asylum, you know, and, and, uh, and his father saw fairies and drew fairies. I, I actually own two drawings of uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's father, one of them, one of the probably last drawings he ever made, uh, and because he was a famous illustrator that published on Punch magazine. So it's a, it's a curious period because uh, you have Houdini debunking, you know, and his friendship with Doyle is destroyed because of that, but but you ha it's the struggle between our ghosts real, and the movie has a very, very willful opening saying ghosts are real, this, this much I know. My, yeah. This is my next thing because, you know, actually just uh, as a brief digression, I also like that period where a lot of science and supernatural intersect, you know, they the, word, the, the word telepathy and telegram yes. emerge from the same or, like root word. But and and spiritualism has a lot of lingo. 
yeah. to justify its existence, inclu including ectoplasm. Yeah. That great word, and for those photographs with, we you know cheesecloth <laughs> with egg, wires, or you know? egg white, <laughs> or egg white, or so thrown on the walls. Th that's exactly because, right. Because yes. um, Charlie Hunnam's character in the movie early on almost he kind of reveals himself to b believe in ghosts, but mm -hmm. believe in ghosts in a way that he can accept. Accept because he extends whatever kind of scientific terminology to try and bring back the supernatural back into mm -hmm. kind of a, a discourse that he kind of understands. Yes, but. Unlike a lot of gothic romance, where the supernatural is explained, yes. like you said, this movie begins with a line that says, ghosts are real. real. Yes. Why was it important for you not to maintain any level of fantastic ambiguity? Well, gothic and gothic romance, uh, I mean, you, you can depend most of the time, like in Jane Eyre, Rebecca, all the supernatural is either uh, based on character flaws, like, I feel Rebecca in the corridors, or uh, a perfectly reasonable explanation. There's a woman locked in an attic somewhere, you know, and it's not a ghost. But there's other uh, uh, versions of Gothic where, like the monk, E.T.A. Hoffman, you know, that do have a lot of supernatural agencies. Uh, and I, I decided, look, for me, the, the real fun of, uh, of this genre is to use the ghosts as a symbol, but also use them as characters, rather than making them the scary thing yeah. in the movie, the scariest thing in the movie is human, you know? Is the family that destroys these two kids, you know, Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston. That, that is the real monster. The real monster is that fabulous mother in the painting and the absent father and things like that. Mm. So I think, by contrast, you have the ghost. And also, I'm Mexican. And I fully believe in ghosts. I'm, I'm a skeptic, but we have a saying in Mexico, ghosts are, no, I don't believe in ghosts, but they're real. <laughs> they're so, always there. There's always, I mean, and I've had two, two ghost experiences that may be subjective, may, maybe I was under self-hypnosis, I don't know, but I lived them. What, what were they? Well, the, the one that I think is really, really terrifying, and it's in the movie, the opening of the movie, by the way, the girl visited by her dead mother, it's what happened to my mother when she was a child. She was visited by the ghost of her grandmother and she sat on the bed and she heard the bed springs creaking and she felt the touch in her shoulder. So that's biographical. The other one is I was scouting uh, locations for The Hobbit uh, in Waitomo in the north of New Zealand. And uh, I knew the hotel in Waitomo was haunted and I, it was off season so it was closed. So the eight people that were with me in the scout, production designer, cinematographer, and so forth, we made them open the hotel with the power of a Tolkien. You know? And they opened the hotel, <laughs> and I said, can I get the haunted room? And they gave me the room, which I think it was room 12. And it has a balcony that overlooks uh, Waitomo. And I was watching The Wire on DVD. I was watching Stringer Bell and Omar <laughs> parlaying, you know? And all of a sudden, like, in the middle of the night, I'm watching this DVD, Middle of the night, I hear the most horrible murder. This woman screaming in huge terror and pain. And I traced it to the bathroom. And then I, 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 I got really freaked out, but I didn't run. And then I started hearing a man crying with regret. And I traced it again, and it was coming from a vent in the wall. I popped the vent open, and I looked inside, and there was a shaft that went all the way to the cellar. And then I went out to the corridor and 
I didn't know where the other seven guys were. <laughs> so I said, do I wonder if there's a corridor? What do I do? And I went back, placed another DVD of The Wire, put my earphones, <laughs> and I didn't sleep all night. Yeah. Did you get to the end of the box set? No, no, but eventually <laughs> I did. But, but that, that, is, that is in the movie. That is when she hears the murder in the bathroom. But not The Wire. Not the wire. <laughs> she should be watching the wire. <laughs> um, ghost. I think a lot of people think of ghosts. They think of kind of a translucent yes, being. Yeah, yeah. And you do something different with these ghosts, as like a lot of authors have. In it, you know, M. R. James had very varied ghosts. Beautiful. Can you talk about w what you want to do with the ghosts in this movie, because they're quite distinctive. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, James's ghosts are amongst the most beautiful. But him, like Lovecraft, he manages to give you just enough details in the description for you to build them. Yeah. You know, crumpled linen, uh, twisted forms. Bright pink. Thing. Yeah, bright pink. You know, and, 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 and I think that the beauty of these ghosts, I wanted them to be actors in makeup, not digital ghosts. But then I wanted to uh, do digital enhancing and make them translucent under certain lights. It was actually Alfonso Cuaron is the one that told me, you know, I know you like them solid. I said, what if they came in and out of being translucent? I said, that's a great idea. Mm. So we, we thought, okay, I don't want to shoot them against green screen. And we came up with a way to do photogrammetry quickly on the set and make them translucent in post. Okay. So the actor is there, and then we put a bone structure inside, and they are affecting the atmosphere with sort of liquidy emanations, the ectoplasm, yeah. you know? So they are very different, and, and you have them there. I wanted the movie to be done manually to have a handmade feel. So the house is real, the wardrobe is incredibly carefully done, the ghosts are real actors, not just CG and so forth. Um, can you talk about how you think audiences might react to it? Because like, I think some people might go in expecting you know, more straightforward horror. Go, go, horror, horror. Well, I can t this, this is where us talking and us spreading the gospel helps. We have to market it like horror. Yeah. It's not horror is spooky rather than scary, yeah. eerie and romantic in a way that is not uh, when Harry met Sally, is romantic in a sort of melancholic sense of loss kind of way, you know? So um, saying that, I hope, gets the message out at some point. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that even then, I gotta go at it thinking, look, the movie is such a beautiful, committed work uh, that, uh, you know, either you succumb to its charms or not. I mean, look, comedy can be great if it's a Woody Allen or a fart comedy. It really makes no... You can laugh with either or you can enjoy either. You laugh a lot more in the fart comedy than you laugh in the Woody Allen. In the Woody Allen, you have introspection and you kind of chuckle in the inside, but it's still the same genre. So at the end of the day, a gothic romance is a very close cousin of horror and is a very close cousin of fairy tales. So somewhere in between, I hope people find that enjoyment. So there he is, the big GDT. What a nice man. He's amazing as well. Like just everything that he talks about, he's, he's, he's a massive nerd, basically. Mm -hmm. So anything he talks about, he talks about it with like so much enthusiasm. And it's like talking to one of your friends, which is always really good. Like it's ridiculous how much of a nerd he is about video games and horror films and stuff like that. Like Krupa was wearing like a Halloween jumper and he was just losing his shit for it. Um, he's but, got a big heart, hasn't he? He does. Do you mean because he's a big guy? No. He's got a big heart. That's not a very nice thing to say, Chris. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, Guillermo. Yeah, no, I don't think it's at all. Um, 
Moving on, Luke, you've yes. got something that you're happy about. Uh, so yeah, no, last week, uh, Rory and I went to play Call of Duty Black Ops 3. And as someone who works for IGN, it is my duty to write about Call of Duty quite a lot. Don't really like it that much. However, Black Ops 3 I actually found quite interesting for the first time in, in quite some time. Um, it's got four-player co-op as well, which I thought was great fun. And Rory and I got a chance to do some co-op together, Yeah. Um, which was great. And also, it's set in the future, um, but isn't like Advanced Warfare. It really explores um, ethics and transhumanism and all of this kind of really interesting stuff mm. to do with science. Um, well, Black, Black Ops 2 was set in the future as well. Yeah, but they, like because this this follows on, but like yeah, another yeah. Uh, ten years ahead, and um, it's just it's got one of the meatiest campaigns out of any of them. It's like twenty hour campaign. Um, What's the thing that I saw this week? I don't really read games news, but what, <laughs> Good. what is the thing that, that you can skip to the end? Of yeah, so game? basically, um, the, for the first time, what they're doing is they are letting you uh, from day one. You can choose whatever mission you want and jump in. Okay. And what they're basically saying is, you know, you buy a book. If you want to read the last page first, you can do it. If you want to watch the last chapter of a movie, you can. No one does that. I know, That's I mental. Know. <laughs> the, the, the point being, they're basically saying they don't want to gate the contents so that if you want to play with friends. I went out with a girl recently who did that. What? I know I know a friend she, of mine she, who reads the last page of the book first. If we sit down and watch a film 20 minutes in, she'd be, I'd watch her, she'd be wikipedia it and finding out what the ending is to see if she was going to like it. Yeah. It drove me insane. No, I can't do she, that. It got to the point we'd argue so much that I would, I, I, she'd try and do it really slyly because she knew how angry I'd get. <sighs> That's mental. Yeah, anyway. Why yeah. would you want, you're literally spoiling stuff for yourself. But this is also a really strange thing. It's like I like they're saying like if you want to read to the last, but yeah, you can do that. No one does I mean, that. The, the argument they're like, making, <laughs> the argument they're making is basically if you've got a mate who is like on you know the penultimate level and is saying I want to do this, it's because it's not level gated that right, way. Okay, yeah, they're yeah. basically saying you can play with them, um, and they will flash up a warning, being like you were literally about to ruin the story for yourself. What are you doing? You don't have to do this. Think about it. Step away from it, the right. controls. But anyway, so that that is that is an option that they have that they've put in there this time. Um, but, and it looks good, anyway. And, and Zombies is back as well. And is Jeff Goldblum in there? Did I make yeah, that up? Jeff Goldblum. Amazing. Uh, Ron Perlman is in it, Heather Graham, yeah. and someone else whose name I can't They always get really, really good cast for that. It is great. Um, and as you can imagine, little Rory was losing his shit. I haven't played Zombies with Rory, but I really want to because he's The boy is good at games. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever else you want to say about him. He's, he's good at everything. It's he annoying. is good at everything. He's uh, really annoying. Um... I was going to talk about something, but it's in the negative zone, and it should be in the positive zone, so I'm going to say it now. Okay. Uh, totally epic is the news that Alvin and the Chipmunks... Oh, God. Uh, have you guys been keeping up with the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies? Not lately, no. No. Is, like, it, is it Alex who saw them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's the one who's really... I guess he's got a kid, isn't he? So he has to... He oh, has, no, he just watched them yeah. on his own. He's got a couple of kids. I mean, yeah. David Cross was in the office, so we yeah. did. I did actually oh, talk yeah, about them course, a little bit. Yeah. He didn't really have anything to say, though. I mean, he's, it, he's, yeah. not very, he's not very subtle about it. He's he quite said, honest. I'm, I'm doing, want... Yeah, I'm doing it for the money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a new one coming out. Uh, it was due to be coming out on December the 23rd. What's the... Sorry, before. What's the subtitle? Well, I was, I was building okay, to right, that. Sorry, sorry. If you want to ruin it now. Sorry. I mean, what have been some of the previous ones? There's been the squeakquel. Yeah, the squeakquel was that was that is classic. That's really good. Though. Yeah, that's a good pun. Would you guys be interested in going on the road chip? <laughs> Not quite as good. Jesus. Uh, so it's no longer coming out on December twenty third. In 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 a quite a ballsy move, uh, they've moved it to December the eighteenth in the United States of America, which is the same day that Star Wars: The Force Awakens comes out. I mean. 
it's the ultimate David and Goliath story. <laughs> you know, it's 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 Alvin meets Darth Vader. Do you think they knew? Do you think they've just gone? Yeah, we know. We just don't care. Like, can you imagine how many parents are going to have to really piss off their kids? Like, you know, I think there's two things here. There's it's counter programming. Mm. There will be young kids that won't be able to see Star Wars, and there'll be empty screens. So, yeah. equally, uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks movies do make quite a lot of money right. over the holidays. So this gives them an extra five days before. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, seven days before Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So financially, it probably makes sense. Also, I mean, I don't know if they knew this when they made the movie. It's getting quite a lot of publicity. Why? Because we're talking about it now. Oh, right, okay, because of that, right? Yeah, Yeah. and I didn't know the name of this film until now. You you know the name, all our listeners do. And I listen for puns all the time, yeah. And I just, I was going to see it, though. I was scrolling through the site, and I just thought it was a very funny uh, thing to do. I think Alex Alex will, I mean, Alex will go see it, like, lightly with Scarlett. She will get very upset, because she she won't be able to see it when it releases, because he'll be seeing Star Wars, you know. Well, we can get Alex to talk about this when he comes on yeah, definitely. the next podcast. But anyway, let's, let's talk septic. Let's go septic. Uh, Luke. Okay, cool. So um, they announced the Star Wars Battlefront season pass this week, which is $50 or 40 quid um, for four unnamed maps and, um, ex- well, expansions, I call it. What's okay. in them? We don't know. And it just seems a little bit... But have you got to pay for it now if you want them? Or you can just pay for them any time? And the season pass. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, you can buy it later if it's more... I saw a lot of anger about this. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's this whole thing. I mean, the season passes as a as an action, I don't really agree with. It's just it's this whole thing of, you know... Um, the idea is you buy it now and then you get... You save money, but um, it's always announced before they say what the DLC is. Yeah. And sometimes... It, it does vary. Sometimes they then take that bundle offer away. Right. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, buy it sight unseen. It's like you're buying a mystery box. Um, it just doesn't really make sense. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. What like, do you have any passionate feelings about? Absolutely not. I don't. Passes. I don't have any feelings about this type of game stuff. It's so like far removed from what I like to get involved with. But you're going to play Battlefront. I'm going to play Battlefront. Yeah. For me, I mean, so I don't buy DLC for games just as a. Do you? No, I never. Buy I DLC. do. Um, I just don't bother. I mean, I still buy expansions. So yeah. I'll buy like um, so Warcraft expansions. I bought the Witcher expansion. Yeah. Um, happy like that if it's a big chunk. But in terms of little DLC and cosmetic stuff, not. This is really. Star Wars though, isn't it? So it's going to be like a Star Wars thing. And I mean, you'd like. Yeah, to... you would think so. You, yeah. You, you, no, I mean, like, <laughs> like when it's like when it's just a bit of DLC, that's just like a new map. That's fine. When yeah. it's just like Coruscant. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll buy that. And you, you just they've done it sensibly. The expansion should be like you know a new map. On those maps, there'll be every type of battle thing, yeah. you know, mode, maybe one new mode and a new hero. That's probably worthwhile. That's worth, like, you know, a tenner. Yeah. Because um, that's, you know, how you break but it. But I'd see your point. Like, they're announcing it before they've actually announced I, I what think it that's was. If they were like, Chewy DLC, $50 done. That's yeah, like, exactly. Like, you'll money. get this if you do it this way. But yeah. it's just kind of like, pay now and see what you get. It's yeah. like, don't do that. Don't do this shit. Just come on. Come out and say what we get. Yeah, but um, so I think that I think that's what's that's really pretty septic. It is pretty that is septic. septic. This is more septic. What okay. is more septic? <laughs> um, Die Hard, <laughs> maybe the greatest action film ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've been getting worse and worse lately. Like it's just a it's a de- decomposing corpse at the moment. That what are they up to? Five, five. What six, was it called? Live, live free six. or die hard. No, there was one after that. The one in so, Russia. What was that one called? I can't remember. I reviewed it. No, I don't know. Uh, 
and I hated it. I hated it with a passion. Yeah. It was a terrible movie. It's cold. It's very not not just because it's Russia, but like it, <laughs> when I was watching, I was just like, this is soulless. Like, it, yeah, it, it could was. be anything. Could be it anything. It's it, the director they got is one of these directors for highs. A Scottish guy called John something or other. Right, and he just specialises in making films remakes that you don't care yeah. about. He's done a bunch of them. Uh, he did the Omen remake. Right, just, okay. just nothing. Well, this is the thing. It's like in the same way that like video games, um, the way that video games films get made is someone will have a script somewhere yeah. and go, right, we've got this weird horror film that's not going to get made. Okay, well, we can't get it made, so what can we do? Oh, well, the House of the Dead yeah. name is up for grabs. And the same thing with Die Hard, I think, where they're just like, they've got a script. It's not going to, it's, it's you know generic action film, make it a Die Hard film. Yeah, I mean, it worked though with, um, with Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. And that was a script called Simon Says, I think. Thing. That's right, yeah, yeah. And they kind of, that kind of worked. Uh, that's work, not a bad... Yeah. Uh, it's probably the second best Die Hard movie, in Definitely, my opinion. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, it's great. But, but, yeah, they've just driven it into the ground. And so, uh, word on the street is that they're going to do a new one. Len Wiseman directing, who directed Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah. Which was, when it started really going off the ball for me, when he jumps off a plane onto a truck or vice versa. Bonkers, oh. yeah. It's suddenly like become a cartoon. surfing a, a plane at one point. Yes, yeah. like, it became a cartoon. Uh, but the word is it might be a prequel. Ooh. A sequel and a prequel. So uh, Die Hard 6, reportedly serves as a quasi-prequel to the popular film franchise, <laughs> will be set in 1979 New York, centred around a young John McClane. Uh, while series star Bruce Willis doesn't yet have a deal locked down with the studio, the actor is expected to return for present-day sequences. I feel like they're getting further and further away from what the point is, which is him in an enclosed space, yeah. taking on a bunch of people. Well, that's what that's the thing that I really liked about it. It's like he's a normal person. Like Die Hard, he's a normal person. He's a normal cop. Die with a Vengeance, he still seems like a normal cop. And then after that, then it starts going mad. It doesn't need to be a two hundred million dollar movie. No, uh, it needs to. It can be a twenty million dollar movie set in one location. Yeah. Put him in one location. You know, the one you talk about, they could have applied different scripts. Mm. Um, Olympus has fallen. That would have been a good <laughs> Die Hard movie yeah. if it was yeah, yeah. if it was John McClane in the White House. Yeah, and they could have done that. That is something that you could easily have yeah. figured out of a reason to get him there. I know someone who's written their own <clears throat> uh, script for a sequel that they've been trying to get made. Really, um, and it's really good. It's a, it's set on the anniversary of of the original movie. Right, and there's a there's um, a ceremony in Japan for Mister um, what's he called. Mr. Takagi Mr. Okay, yeah. Takagi will not be joining us for the rest of his life yeah. um, like a ceremony for his death and the, the, the people they get the over for and it. he's there at the ceremony and then all this <laughs> stuff kicks off there But it, so it brings back the wife that's and it, it, the family thing but yeah. like that's a re- it was a really good yeah. idea and obviously it's not happening if this is going forward but I watched a film that I thought I was like if this had been a Die Hard film this could have been really really good it was um, I think it's, it's called 16 Blocks yeah, it's a Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, him and a rapper, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's him and Mostef. Yeah. Mostef, um, yeah, and, he, he's, and he's great. and he's taken him from like one part. He, he needs to like yeah. uh, sort of be his mind, his bodyguard, taking him from. So I thought I was watching. I was going, if this was a Die Hard film and he was playing John McClane, yeah, this could be really, really good. As it is, it's really boring. Who do you want to be, young John McClane? Ashton Kutcher. Why? Because of the Demi Moore connection. <laughs> yeah, she already cast him as young Bruce Willis. So. Really? Hey. Um, Speed would have been a great Die Hard movie. Yes. Speed would have been Do a really guys, good Die Hard movie. It was called Slow Sudden Down. Impact or Sudden. I think it was Sudden Impact. Do you yeah, remember, that? I remember that? Yeah, yeah. That was Die Hard in an ice hockey rink. Yeah, <laughs> it was quite good. It's John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Um, oh god, yeah. Just really get good. it back to basics, or yeah. actually stop. Yeah, just stop. Um, but it's funny that we started off this podcast talking about James Bond, mm. who's brilliantly been able to reinvent himself mm. for 50 years. Yeah. Die Hard is just... Flandering. Indeed. 
Which, I guess because they don't do anything super... They try to do something new with it, but they also still use in Bruce Willis. But it's really odd, isn't it? Because people I saw today going crazy, going, oh, well, no one can play John McClane except Bruce Willis. No one says that about Bond, do they? I wonder what like, they that's do, like a character that people are like, oh, God, sure, I know it's like I kind of see there. Mission Impossible in a similar... I mean, Mission Impossible is doing well at the moment, but that surely has to have a shelf life, right? Or could they do it without him, without Tom Cruise? Don't know. Well, they've tried. I think Jeremy Renner was brought on for that purpose, and then oh, it didn't yeah. quite take off in the I way. I haven't seen the new one. Apparently, well, Renner's Renner didn't is like rubbish in it. Renner didn't really underused. Renner didn't work with Bourne. Mm. Makes you realise how good Matt Damon is. Mm. Yeah. Kill it off. Kill off Die Hard. Just kill him. Right. So, for this week's feedback, what did we do last week, guys? Something that we're supposed to talk about at the start of the podcast, but we forgot to. I think it's quite good that we've kept I it. I know, but we ending. should thank everyone yes, for coming yeah. to Podcast 300. So, that was last week. We did Podcast 300 at the 100 Club. There is some stuff um, online. We, well, the well, entire podcast, the entire podcast is, is But we also have photos <laughs> and lots of other things. It was... Amazing meeting you guys. It was a great evening. It, it was, was a not a good. great variety. But yeah. we, had, we I had, think we gave value for money considering no one had to spend anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, because yeah. we did we had a band playing Luke's band, Luke's Rory's band. Rory's play, band. What would your band be? My band. Speed metal. <laughs> well at least we'd know how to pronounce your because I still don't know if it's Team RKT or Team Rocket. Well Team to Rocket, be honest, they were arguing about it beforehand, so I don't think they They were good though, they're good. And they're on Spotify. Yeah. I downloaded a track. And they're on um they're on iTunes, yeah. Um, and we had some magic from Rich Bear Park. Yeah, that was Judas, really good. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think it was a, it, it was, was a like an old night. school variety show. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. It but was really it was good. so nice to meet everyone, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone, um, everyone, was, everyone that I spoke to was really, really nice. And they said really nice things. And it was amazing how, like, you don't realise how much attention people are paying to the things that you're making. Yeah. And, like, I had people going, oh, I remember that video that you made back in March. Or like, I remember you saying that in this podcast and you're just like, oh crap, I did, that was wild. Nobody said anything like that to me, so (laughs) that's strange. Um, But we kept saying to people, oh, there's a a chest over there, can you put in some feedback? And then we just never read it out. Just, just ignored it. Didn't we? Yeah. Was we, it not? We, didn't, we didn't read out a single oh. one from this. Christ. Well, yeah. there you go. Ah. On the plus side, you can still email feedback to IGN yeah. underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. But we do have some here to read. Yeah, so I'm going to read out the first one then. So this will see us through for another few months. Who would play <laughs> Michael Owen in a film of his life? Uh, I did speak to someone <laughs> about Michael Simon. Owen. We were, we, yeah, we were talking about the fact that Michael Owen's only seen four films yeah. <laughs> and one of them's Cool Runnings one Sea Biscuit. who would play Michael Owen I think they asked me that um, who's boring I'm trying to think of like who's played other sports people I'm trying to think like Matt what Damon what about that bloke we saw in the pub today Ewan Rehon yeah he's Welsh he's not boring though you could pass as Michael Owen maybe he I, does look a bit like do you know who Owen. would uh, be Kit Harrington Harrow yeah, yeah. Harrow's yeah. in Harrow's in <laughs> Job done. Well, you got uh, I'll read out this one. Okay. It says sod all, so thank you for doing that one. <laughs> Nothing on it. Do you want me to go? Okay, so put it back in. That's like putting the wrappers of the roses <laughs> back in the roses tin. I've got one from Adam who says, Gav, you look like Adam Buxton. Do any of you guys get confused with other celebrities as well? I get Adam Buxton quite a lot, yeah. I get um, Tom Daly. I also get oh. uh, Javier Hernandez, um, oh, the yeah. footballer. I get him a lot. Um, I was at, an Adam, Buxton, I was at yeah. an Adam Buxton gig once that Richard Herring was comparing and he took the piss out of me because <laughs> uh, I looked at Adam Buxton and then when Adam Buxton came on he was like where's the guy look? oh there he is <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's yeah. awesome if you had to have sex with a video game character which one would it be and that's from Pete Conker on Conker's bad <laughs> third day 
Why? He looked like he'd be up for her. <laughs> he looked like he'd be up for some. It's, it's a squirrel. All right. It is a squirrel, yeah. Some of these are just blank. But oh, well, I'm a big fan of Angry Birds, so. <laughs> that's quite. That's a, a, a good joke. It's a context. Luke, one. who would you have sex with? Um, oh, God. Tr- tr- tricky. Any, I'm not fussy. Probably, probably anything. Ooh. To be honest. There we are, man. <laughs> what if there was a tiny you inside your body and your body is just a person and if it escaped, where would he live? A person suit. And if the little man escaped, where would he live? He could come live with me. That was from Mike and Waffles. <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, this one makes you. me angry. I wonder if this is someone that I met who said something uh, unpleasant on the night as well. Uh, they've written, no question, why does every gaming event have insufferable 8-bit electro poppers entertainment? Well, thanks Fuck for coming off. down. Yeah. Thanks for coming down. Uh, someone's slagging Rory's band off to me while they were on. Yeah, and I was saying with the grouper. Yeah, Some, like, somebody went on. Oh, go bit, away. Bit dated, isn't it? And I was like, you're yeah. a bit fucking dated, mate. Go, go away. Like, <laughs> that's our friend on there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Keep it to yourself. Peak from Wokenham says, if you had to live out the rest of your days as a video game character, Ooh. which one would it be? That's interesting. Who's who seems like they have the most fun? Sorry, what was the question? So if you had to live out the rest of your days as a video game character, okay, who would it be? Nathan Drake. And that is a good shout because he's hot and he's relatively funny, and he seems like he's having a good time most of the time. Um, and that's when people are dying around him. Yeah, I would say maybe Tidus from Final Fantasy X because he's mm. quite attractive and um, he lives in a world that is now destined to be peaceful. Parappa the rapper. Nice. That's because of your sick beats, David Butt just says, "Hey." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm get, I've got another statement here. Uh, it's from Tag. I'm getting all the bloody questions. It's from Tag, who just says, "You guys forgot to mention cow and chicken in '90s TV shows." Oh, um, well, you know what, Tag? I don't know what cow and chicken is. I so love it. When, Mama had a chicken. Yeah, Mama had a cow. We didn't good. mention cat dog either, which we should have. Um, <laughs> this is a good one. Do you have any allergies? Go. <laughs> Um, I'm actually allergic. Yes. I'm actually allergic to. Um, ages ago, Lynx got, had a deodorant called Touch, which was amazing. And then they got rid <laughs> so of Touch. Then they got rid of Touch, and they brought out another one called Instinct, which was kind of orangey. Um, and I thought it would be like the same thing, so I used it. No, exploded in a rash, and so I still can't use heavily scented deodorant to this day. Cats, dogs, horses, house dust, cut grass. Um, <laughs> what? Pollen. Darwinian. Yeah. This is Darwinism. Just like the world wants to do. I'm a mess. Yeah. Penicillin. Uh, next. Oh, penicillin. <laughs> penicillin. Are, you penicillin. Are you allergic to penicillin? Yeah, me too. Are you both? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll die. Penicillin coming. All right. All I've got is a ver- is a discontinued can of links. Correct. How awesome is Ubisoft? Question mark. P.S. Is Dan Kilby single? And that's from Ubisoft PR team crossed out, and it's written Ubisoft super fan number two million. I think I know who that is. I think it's someone called Holly Walsh. Because uh, she's a big Kilby fan. Me and Cooper. Not the comedian Holly Walsh. Maybe that's not her name, though. <laughs> <laughs> Holly Cooper. Holly Cooper. <laughs> well, I'm glad um, you outed her because she didn't put her name on that. Yeah, so you've she's, done she's a really a, good a job there. She's a big Kilby fan. I went for lunch there, and uh, she, uh, when me and Cooper turned up, you could just see she was disappointed that one of us wasn't Kilby. Ooh, this is uh, a good one for you guys. Whatever happened. <laughs> what would happen if you took penicillin? <laughs> Whatever happened to Rebecca Romaine Stamos? She's not Stamos anymore. She's not with him. No, she's Rebecca Romaine. She was in Chris Class, wasn't she? Because she did that cameo's mystique because he was like, oh no, you're like my sister. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, would it help if I looked like this? Uh, Google it. I don't know. Have <laughs> you ever slipped over on some ice and saved yourself from slipping at the last minute and farted? 
I feel you're not taking these questions seriously, guys. That's from Pete. Uh, That's Pete Donaldson. Pete Donaldson, yeah. Thanks for wasting our time, Pete. I've never, Um, no, I've never farted because I was slipping. So here's a question. Uh, Films are boring. I don't know why people like them, do you? And that's from Michael Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Favourite Scorsese film from Gary Mann. Goodfellas. Really? No. Yes, I said it. After Hours. Oh, cheeky. <laughs> oh, cheeky. Why haven't Naughty Dog remade any Crash Bandicoot titles yet? Because um, it's all the rights, them, are, the rights to that are owned by Activision, and Activision has oh. not okayed it yet, which is why, despite Sony and everyone wanting more, we haven't had any yet. I, I mean, I seem to be picking up a theme here. Uh, this is from Riss Tilly. Okay. So someone's having a bit of fun. Uh, if Mike, if Michael Owen was a packet of crisps, what flavour would he be? <laughs> Boring flavour. <laughs> Boring. Plain. 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 Ready salted. Who's so, what, was the, what was the Michael Owen flavour when Walker's released the... Was it Cheese and Owen? Yeah, Cheese, Cheese and Owen. Owen. Cheese yeah, yeah. And Owen. Yeah, yeah. Smoky Beckham. Smoky. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've run out. Who's your emergency contact from your GP? I've got GP. Well, no. Well, then, that's a false one, isn't it? Chris Tilly asks, have you ever seen a ghost? No, well, I've experienced one. Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've experienced one, but not seen one. Uh, it was a bad dream after I watched Paranormal Activity. Uh, <laughs> this is a Gamergate thing, so shall I read it out or not? You can if you want. Uh, oh, why God, don't no, do this. Why are there no girls on stage? And that's from Anita. What's Chuck a chops? Yeah. Uh, I, I wish, don't know. I wish we did have some Yeah, we don't. We, we tried. Tried to hit Girls, apply for jobs at IGN and be good, and then we, we will have girls on stage. We um, need to stop soon. Ross, this this Ross. one just says, shag, marry, kill everyone. Not even a question. Just well, okay. Yeah, let's do everyone. all of that to everyone. Um, Ross wants to know, after the Luke and Rory fan fiction, when will the happy count couple announce? He <laughs> <laughs> said the C word. <laughs> happy, happy couple announce marriage. Um, I'm not allowed to divulge that information. Rory gets We need to stop. Okay. This is beyond. We need to go. Okay, one F. more. Last Two one. More. La- la- no, last one, last one, last one. What's your favourite Michael Owen moment? <laughs> That's from Michael Owen. Well, it's obviously <laughs> the goal against Argentina. It's Michael Owen. He scored a wonderful goal. Mine's the um, mine's the advert um, for Purcell that he did around the World Cup when he had to say, thanks, mum. And he was so <laughs> dead-eyed. It was like, what has his mum done to him? She's knowing. That's my favourite. <laughs> That's my favourite Michael Owen moment. So we should thank everyone for listening yes, to the Michael Owen podcast. Yes, this thank, week. <laughs> thank you so much for everything. Thank you for 300. Um, thank, thank you for the you awards. For the awards. Yeah. They, did, they didn't vote for them. No, like, but oh, yeah, their yeah, support fine. rose us up like Bette yeah. Midler or whatever it was. Thank you very much. We'll see you for 302.